0: Here comes the. Here comes the. Here comes the. Y'all don't really want it comes Here comes the. Here comes Here comes Here comes Here
1: comes so. In like so Welcome in to another episode of the Red Shirts, Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. This is your host be be for the bad. evening. My name is Matthew Betts at the Fantasy PT on Twitter. Uh, tonight I am not joined by my usual friends Kent Wyrock and Matt Okada. Um, we're going to do a special off-season injuries episode tonight. And as you all may know uh, from listening to the podcast, injuries are a thing that I. Uh, take very seriously. They're, they're part of my uh, strategy because of the fact that I am a physical therapist. And so, you know, when we talk about injuries and what it means for fantasy, it's huge and it has a major outcome, uh, not only on how your season goes, but also into the playoffs. So um, I have a great guest with me tonight, one that I'm very excited to talk about, uh, and one that I've been looking forward to talking with for a few weeks now because he brings uh, a wealth of knowledge in regards to injuries and what it means for fantasy sports, and actually a little bit of sports uh, gambling and wagering as well. So tonight I've got Dr. A with me. He is the founder and chief medical officer of Inside Injuries. Doc, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. How are you, Matthew? I'm doing awesome. Like I said, I'm very excited to sit down with you and just kind of pick your brain on some of these players. Um, And I think that by the end of this, I know I'm going to be a smarter fantasy player, and and I hope our listeners are too.
0: Yeah, I mean, you said it right. I mean, injuries are a huge component of not only fantasy rosters, but gaming as well as the actual teams themselves. So, uh, it, a lot what people try to discount and try to assume things with injuries, it may uh, it may uh make their fantasy team worse than it actually is, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's uh it's one of those things that I don't know if you're much on Twitter or, or social media, but it seems like everyone thinks they're a doctor nowadays, but, but you actually are a doctor. So, so fill me in on uh, your background, um, your interests, your hobbies, how you got into this sort of thing and how you got into inside injuries and all that good stuff. So the floor is yours. Yeah. Uh, give us a little bit about yourself.
0: Well, no. So, uh, you know, I, I grew up in New York and I did all my training um, in New York uh, and I did a, a fellowship in orthopedic imaging and sports medicine imaging. Uh, I'm a radiologist by trade, but, you know, I, I worked with a lot of athletes and I was the one that diagnosed all of their injuries on MRI and CAT scan and any type of imaging study that they got and, and partnered with the um, uh, you know orthopedic surgeons to make sure that they got the best outcome of their treatment also I did a lot of pain management uh, where uh, I worked with athletes in terms of getting them back on the field and managing their pain etc so I've been in and around teams for a long period of time I do a lot of second opinion uh, type of work for professional and collegiate athletes on the side and uh, um, you know and that's sort of how my, my passion is essentially uh, uh You know, getting athletes uh, the best type of care, the best diagnosis to be able to get back on the field because their playing time is very, very limited. Uh, You know, it's not like they get a job and then they're working on this. They're working at this job for 30 years, right? They're a five year window maximum sometimes, you know. And uh, and so, yeah, that's been sort of a personal goal of mine. But the real thing about injuries is that, you know, everything else in this world has been aggregated. You know, everything. Uh, And that's that's the AI component to all of these types of things that we're doing. And essentially, injury data aggregation has really been the one that has really uh, sort of uh, fallen by the wayside uh, with a lot of... um, you know, with teams, with with companies, with media outlets, uh, with technological advances in companies, etc. It's just been one that's really lagged behind. And one of the reasons for that, I think, is because um, it's just an incredibly difficult uh, thing to do is to aggregate, uh, accurately, uh, injuries over a period of decades and years and et cetera. And so, um, that was really, uh, sort of one thing where, you know, well, the whole world's being aggregated except for injuries. And so why don't we be the ones to actually aggregate (laughs) injuries and, and, and other things, uh, associated with injury analytics. The other thing is what you alluded to also is everyone thinks that they're a doctor, right? On 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 shows. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and they make justifications and assume things and say, Oh well, you know, like one this guy had an ACL, so then this guy had an ACL and so he must be there he must be reacting and gonna have the same recovery as this guy, right? <laughs> and it's like there's not it, it doesn't really work out work that way. And you no no one can really actually Answer those questions without appropriate data aggregation and predictive analytics and AI that has actually and machine learning that's been sort of applied to that. And so, um, and, and and so, uh, you know, watching these shows and really having a lot of on-air talent talk about injuries and getting doctors that operate on athletes to talk about injuries doesn't really give the audience, especially the fantasy player and the gambler, what they want. You know, they, it's just not giving them what they want. And, uh, and, and a lot of times there's a lot of, you know, you know, it could be this, or it could be that he could tear his ACL the next game, but he could not tear his ACL the next game. Right. Like it's just, it's, it's, it doesn't, it's a whole bunch of, and that sort of uh, precipitated me to say, this has got to get better. And especially where the industry is going with gambling and, and fantasy and, and a lot of analytics that are being applied in other fields to sports, like, you know, uh, from a performance metric standpoint, I'm sure you've heard of all of these teams now utilizing like hundreds of cameras on the field, and on the practice field. They're looking at motions of athletes and you're in the physical therapy world, right? So, yeah. uh, you know, it, it is a huge thing uh, and that's all data driven, but that's on the performance side, not really on the uh, clinical medicine and aggregation side. And so we, uh, and, and, you know, you'd be surprised at the archaicness that, I don't even know if that's a word, uh, so, <laughs> it <is now>. but <laughs> made it the <laughs> archaic nature that teams have to evaluate athletes medically. What what do they do? They get a physical. They get a visit with their the team's orthopedic surgeon. He analyzes them. They do a whole bunch of tests on them. But they don't use aggregated metadata to also help with their decision-making, which is the most surprising thing to me because they're spending millions and millions of dollars on these athletes. And uh, how many times do you see that they sign a guide to $20 million a year for a three-year deal, and he plays 30% of the games, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> how many times does that happened? Yeah, right? it's money all, gone, I, yeah. gone out the gone. window.
0: Right. And so, the, and so all in general with the teams, with fantasy, with gambling, that was the impetus is to really get an understanding, utilizing metadata, not to replace the doctor, not to replace what's happening, but to add to and making it digestible and understandable for anybody that wants it, essentially. So that's kind of how – you know, uh, you know, we got into this. um, And we also found out that, hey, if you aggregate the last 10 years of hamstring injuries in running backs and determine what their severity is, and then assign a sort of um, uh, mathematical algorithm and a, stat- a, statistical, a statistical method to say, how likely is it will this athlete sustain another hamstring injury in the next season? That stuff is possible, you know, because of all of the aggregation techniques that we use over the last several years in the NFL. So um, and that's just one of many things that we can offer in terms of uh, what anybody would want, such as fantasy players, gamblers, et cetera. So.
1: Yeah. That's how it got started. Yeah, and that's that's huge. I mean, like you said, it's it's taking things to the next level um, because you know obviously injuries are becoming more um, more common knowledge. I think people are understanding them more. But what you guys are doing uh, is truly awesome because it's taking that knowledge and injury risk and basically projecting it out and saying you know when you draft player x or player y this is how likely he is to injure the hamstring again like you said or the acl or or whatever it is so it definitely helps like you said fantasy football players and and other sports too um and wagers understand really the risk associated with what player they're they're going with so correct i love it and i love what you guys are doing um i follow you guys a lot and it's exciting to watch so keep it up it's great stuff Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's get into the the fun stuff here. Um, we brought up the sports wagering a little bit, and you might have heard there's a big game coming up here in about a week and a half. <laughs> That's right. uh, the Super Bowl is coming up here soon, and, and we've got the Patriots and the Rams. So, um, you know, it's a huge game not only for the country to watch and sit down for, but sports gambling for the Super Bowl is out of control at this point. I mean, I didn't look up any statistics or anything, but I understand that there was an absurd amount of money being placed um, on the Patriots as soon as the game line was announced a few days ago after the games on Sunday. Um, coming in now, the Patriots are favored by about 2.5 points, and the over-under is, is 58. So with the knowledge that you guys have in terms of sports wagering and how that plays into the injuries and vice versa, how would you guys be recommending looking at this game uh, from your standpoint?
0: Sure. So uh, uh, two things. One is, is that we're launching our NBA algorithm uh, in the next 30 days. And it's very similar to the NFL uh, when we launched that in next season, uh, where we what we do is we actually look at both matchups, look at all the players on both teams, look at all their injury history, all in one fail swoop and assign values and pl- apply algorithms and actually take the spread. And then automatically move it based on all that data to where we think it is, whether you bet against the spread or where you take the points. So, for example, if you said you said the Patriots are favored by two and a half, yes, right? Yep. So, um, what we would theoretically do is uh, when we when we do the analysis on all the teams, etc., we would say, you know what, the injury adjusted uh, true line is not minus two and a half; it's actually minus two point two or minus one point nine. So now. We're telling you that we don't think the Patriots will cover because of this added factor that they their injury scores on all, based on all this aggregated data is not, is going to prevent them from getting to that level essentially to cover the points. Does that make sense? That makes sense. So yeah. so yeah. So we're actually telling everyone to bet against this spread because the Rams are just so much more better off from an injury analytics standpoint, basically. Now, we don't take into consideration anything else. So the spread, we leave it at that, and it doesn't significantly change, but we add the injury, significant injury data analytics to that spread, essentially. Okay, so that's number that's number one. Sure. Um, so now with the NFL, <laughs> we don't have that because we're launching it next year for the NFL. But what we are doing is, I can tell you that the raw data for the Rams, if you took, so we took uh, based on the the players that we pick. There's a, there's an algorithm that decides which players that we pick. But we you you take the quarterback, you take the the two top running backs, you take the three wide receivers, tight end, and then you take all five offensive linemen basically okay, okay. Yep. and you, you calculate and you basically look at all of their injury risks and all of what they what we call an hpf which is the health performance factor what that means is in colloquial terms it's essentially out of a hundred percent what is this guy essentially okay based on any injuries that they have sustained this year or a current injury that they're facing um, and essentially above 80 percent is at peak health Okay. Okay. And so if you take all of these players on the Rams, um, their HPF, which is the injury impact on performance, basically, they're at an average of 94.33%. Okay. That's a really, really good number. It's an incredible number. With Todd Gurley being the lowest because of all the injuries that he had, but he's at 84%. Sure, okay, yeah. but everybody else—I mean, relatively speaking—they have recovered nicely from their injuries and they're at eighty. So it's a very interesting. Like teams that are at the top of their game at the end of the season, usually this number correlates nicely because they're all healthy essentially. Yeah, that makes right? sense. Yeah. So ninety-four point three three percent is what the HPF is. The injury risk category is basically what is the likelihood that this team is going to get plagued by injuries in this next coming game, and anything less than ten and a half percent. Is considered low. So IRC for the Rams is uh, for the, I'm sorry, for the offense. I'm sorry, uh, Matthew, this is just for offensive.
1: Offense, got okay?
0: it. Okay. So this is, um, that was 6.17%. So right now, the offense for the Rams is sitting at 6.17% low injury risk and a 94.33% of uh, HPF, which is very high. So essentially that's like one that's one of the best these are the numbers that you want to see essentially when you're going and you have two weeks to rest as well. (laughs) Right? That helps. And so it's a great number for the Rams in terms of their injury analytics uh for the offense. On the Patriots offense, you have an average HPF of eighty eight point six seven, still in peak category, but six percentage points less than the Rams. Okay. So, you know. They are healing nicely. They're a little bit more banged up, but um you know, like Sony Michelle's at 83%, so he still just flopped over into P-Catter because finally we always say this that the Patriots listened to us and rested him when we told them to rest him. <laughs> and they and, smart, and that's right? what they're did the trick, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so um and so yeah, so they're at they're at 88.6. So both teams are in categ- they're in, they're in the P category. It's just that the Rams are much they're 6 percentage points higher. But the difference is is that their injury risk category essentially is 12.92%. So that means there's a third almost a 13% chance in the Super Bowl that they're going to get impacted by injuries in that game versus the 6% that the Rams have essentially. Sure. So that's the offense, meaning the offense will get impacted essentially. Okay. Yeah. Now the defense is ten point four five total uh, percent for the Rams and twelve point nine one percent defense for the Patriots. So very close together, only one and a half percentage points, and they're both te- like they're both in, in a uh, uh, a um, it goes from low to um like uh, moderate risk okay, okay. Yep. and so they're both in moderate risk category even though the rams are just flopped over the border um the the, uh, the injury risk for the patriots defense is just only a percentage point more than that so they're uh, we would consider this statistically almost the same yep uh Defensive-wise. And they're, they're, the HPFs are almost identical, too. They're at 88% for the defense and 85% for the Patriots. So meaning 88% for the defense for the Rams and 85% defense for the Patriots, basically. So I think it all comes down to, from an injury standpoint, the offensive healthiness of The Rams, basically, and so if we were to do an injury analysis, I don't know exactly what the spread, what the adjustment to the spread would be, but it would probably because of that number, it will be more like instead of minus two and a half, it would be like minus two point one or two point two, which means you should take the Rams with the points.
1: Beautiful. I'm sorry,
0: Rams. You bet against the spread,
1: basically. Right, right. It's Rams to. be able to lose by less than, less than three points.
0: Less than three points, yeah, correct. Yeah, sure. Okay, um, so there that's you have it. There you go. So that's, <laughs> that's, the, that's the betting algorithm, in a sense, the that's, part of it. <laughs> that's awesome. Um,
1: you heard it here first. Dr. A, guaranteed or your money back. Bet it all on the Rams. No, I'm just kidding. Um, that's a very helpful insight for those of our, our listeners that do like to dabble in that realm of, of fantasy sports and sports wagering. So uh, super helpful. Thank you for sharing that information, Dr. A. Uh, what we'd like to do now is just go ahead and transition right into um, a lot of off-season injuries that yeah. we're going to be worried about when we look ahead towards draft season for fantasy coming up in July and August this year. Um, I was going to start and go position by position with this because of the way I have it listed on the dock here, but I feel like it would be smart of us to just go ahead and transition right from that Super Bowl talk going yeah. into Rob Gronkowski because. We know the injury history with him is well documented, and there are a lot of them. So yes. there's reports coming out, you know, he could retire at the end of this year. Um, and if he wins the Super Bowl again with the Patriots, I would personally believe that those are more likely to be true than not. But let's just say for the sake of this discussion that it doesn't matter what happens next week. It doesn't matter what happens, you know, for Gronk. He's healthy going into the off season. If he plays in 2019, what should our our listeners be aware of with Rob Gronkowski?
0: Yeah, so... So one of the good things is that um, so if you take what our what the injury risk was for him in the beginning of this season, uh, this past season, it was roughly about um, you know fifteen percent. Right now, it's back. It, it went up because he got injured this season, and then and then he basically came back. So um, right now, he's at fourteen percent, which is just above you know not low injury risk, but not severe, but it's just in the moderate category. Okay. Sure. Um, um, uh, but he's at peak health. He's at 87%. So that's good. He's made a big recovery from all of these injuries that he had dealt with all season, basically. Okay. Now, but the beauty is, is that you could take our injury risk category, uh, and we're, we're going to vet this out before next NFL season, but, but, uh, you heard it here first, you take the injury risk. So it's at 14% and there's, uh, what is there? 17 games in the season, right?
1: I they, so there's 17 weeks. They play 16 games.
0: Uh, 16 games right so you have 16 games and you take 20 just take 14 percent of 16 which is basically two games essentially right so uh maybe two to three games so instead of so he played 13 games this season our injury risk predicted that he would play 13 to 14 games this season
1: it's amazing when that happens, right? It's beautiful. Right. Yeah, it's beautiful.
0: And so, when so one of the things that these everyone that's listening should know that whenever we issue an injury risk category, they can take that and multiply it against that uh, uh, total number of games uh, games played, like this, uh, the games they have on the schedule. So if we have somebody at thirty eight percent, we we're thinking that he's missing more than a third of the season this year.
1: Yeah, which is huge. I mean, huge yeah. for fantasy because yeah. there's only so many weeks, and if your guy's not out there, it just crushes your lineup. So
0: correct, um, yeah. That's so that, ma- that's massive. That, so for the game, so for this game, he's at the best he could possibly be in two years because he was he's been battling so many injuries that he's at eighty-seven percent and fourteen percent. He couldn't be better in terms of what all of his previous injuries, and we have a. I mean, we have injuries from him from 2012 in the database. And, like, I mean, it just, you know, he's got probably the longest injury history of almost all the players in the database, right? Yeah, it goes back and a while. So, yeah, and so, um, so yeah, so he should, be, he should be in peak health and, you know, 14% injury risk. Eh, you know, it's not, it's not 30, right? It's 14. Sure. <laughs> and so sure. he's okay. Yeah, I think he'll be fine for the Super Bowl. And for next year, it's really about his age. You know, like it's, it wouldn't be an injury thing unless he gets injured in the Super Bowl. <laughs> right. Yeah, and so um, and so uh, that that's really it. I mean, I, I think he does. If he wins, he retires.
1: Yeah, I think so, too. And um, I honestly at this point would be shocked if that outcome is different based off of what we saw recently and also what we saw last offseason with the discussion there of potentially stepping away. So it's been an awesome career for Gronk. And I just personally, I hope he goes out. Uh, the right way. Not through injury, but on his own terms. So, um, That's that's great insight there on Gronk for this week and beyond. Let's go ahead and circle back to the quarterback position. I want to touch on Alex Smith, because um, he's a player who is going through some serious stuff right now. Uh, Recently, there was a post on Twitter that Alex Smith was out at a Washington Wizards game, and I think everyone on social media saw him with his external fixator on around his ankle and said, oh, my gosh, what is that monstrous looking thing? Um, so, Dr. A, maybe you can speak to what that is for our listeners, why it's being used, and maybe what we need to know about Alex Smith as he con- continues to rehab this offseason. Yeah.
0: So, uh, first of all, the I don't know if you saw the video, Matthew, of that injury. I mean, it is a classic motor vehicle accident injury. I mean, it's ba- it was that bad. Um, yeah, it and was so, nasty. Uh, fracture dislocation of the ankle. Uh, obviously I think it would be much more devastating to a running back, uh, because of the, about the amount of force and pressure that they put from side to side motion, et cetera. Quarterbacks are different because they're not running with the football. Um, and so, uh, you know, uh, they, they actually, if, 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 a, if a running back suffered this type of injury, his season would most greater than 80% chance, not just the season, but his career may be over. OK, wow. yeah. and so with Alex Smith, because he's a quarterback, there's a chance uh, that he will come back. And just the data shows that uh, great four We call these great four ankle injuries for running backs. When you look at the longevity of these guys in the league, once they have less than 20 percent of these guys come back.
1: Yeah, ever. it's it's crazy. So, it's just a career and, so, ender and totally yeah. changes everything.
0: Right. And qu- quarterbacks, though, greater than 50 percent stay. <laughs> so you see the difference, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, all right. So, um, so the external fixator is, is essentially, um, you know, it's, 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 um, it's an ex- it's, it's really gruesome because they actually have rods, uh, metal that actually go through the skin, through the bone to fix, uh, to basically stabilize the, um, Uh, stabilize the uh, body part that is, uh, you know, sort of, um, um, you know, displaced or or at an angle. And it's usually reserved for compound fractures and fractures that you can't just quickly go in and, uh, you know, do an internal fixation and then put someone in a cast. This is when you have multiple, multiple fractures. You have to get some alignment back first before you actually go operate internally essentially. So, um, and that's with that external fixator, I will tell you, he was seen this week with an external fixator. So he's got a long way to go, essentially. And there's, we are predicting that he is, um, he he has a 50, 50 chance of starting in the 2019 season. And it may be going all the way to December of 2019 before he would be ready. Um, Full motion, full, you know, uh, you know uh, NFL speed um, right now. Uh, he's at a two percent HPF, which makes sense. Obviously, he can't get on the field. Sure, but uh, you know we don't see that number getting anywhere close to peak health until in the fall.
1: Yeah, and you know it, it's one of those things. It's just sad to see because uh, he was signed there in the off season to come in and you know be the starting quarterback, and now um, like you said, fifty fifty shot, flip a coin. We're not sure if he's going to be out there um, this season. Let alone week one, but at all. Uh, so, like you said, we gotta we gotta monitor this situation because um, things are not looking great this off season for Alex Smith. We're gonna have to watch that as we move forward.
0: And he got here. an infection too, and that, that's that significantly set him back. Um, you know, Every time you get a post-operative infection and a follow-up surgery, it sets you back more and more and more and more. So the original injury only takes about, not only, but takes six to seven months to heal. But yeah. it adds another three to not three to six more months when you have all of these infections and follow-up surgeries.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Doctor, it sounds like you've done this before because that was a professional transition right there uh, to Darius <laughs> Geis, who also, um, you know, the, the teammate of Alex Smith is also... Rehabbing right now, he tore his ACL in August, um, and like you said, the infection happened for Alex Smith. Obviously, this is a little different scenario. So, fill us in on Geist and fill us in on what that infection might mean for his recovery after that ACL surgery.
0: Yeah, so the, I mean, the, the difference with Geist is the fact that it's an ACL; it's not a compound fracture, um, and uh, you know, infection in the bone for compound fractures, is a lot harder to come back from an acl you can replace the acl or hit it with a lot of antibiotics and do a lot of clean out surgeries and you know etc and or replace the graft, the acl graft. so i mean there's a lot more options in this regard but still You know, it's 48 weeks, and, you know, July is basically when we're seeing that he'll be back on the field if he doesn't have any more complications. But that's the main difference. This is not a bone. It's not a compound fracture. It's not an infection of the bone. This is actually uh, an ACL repair, and the technology has gotten so good with ACL repairs over the last several years that, uh, you know, his trajectory is much, much better than Alex Smith's.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And um, maybe you can speak to this. Does the infection that happened with with Geiss does that set his rehab back? Because I know I was pretty vocal saying, yes, there was an infection. The additional you know, air quotes procedures done were to drain the fluid out of the knee. And while he couldn't probably rehab the way he wanted to at that time, the nice thing about that is that it allowed his ACL, assuming it was handled well medically, to be able to take into the bone and become stronger and implant into the bone um, at that footprint. So, Does the infection affect his ACL integrity at all? Do you know?
0: Yeah, I mean it always does, and that's why you have to hit it. Uh, You have to hit. You have to really hit that infection hard because um, you know it it causes inflammatory uh, response, and that inflammatory response sort of degrades the uh, integrity of any ligament, tendon, bone, etc. And so that's the biggest problem when it comes to an infection um but the the good news is is that it's much harder to, it's much easier to treat an infection uh that's a, what we call a soft tissue infection which is uh sort of the acl is a soft tissue structure versus bone and uh, once you get uh infection in the bone and in the metallic hardware that's in the bone man that is a massive reconstruction that you have to do and with an acl um, you can, you have other options, like you can do a cadaver graft or you can find other grafts to actually like replace it. And once the infection is cleared and they do quite well, he's still significantly delayed, you know, normally a full thickness ACL tear in this day and age takes seven to eight months. He's at, he's at, um, you know, 48 weeks, you know, right sure. now. Yeah. So he really put him back.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's helpful I think because people heard the word infection and immediately didn't know what to do hit the panic button but um, it looks like based off of, of your research and the healing timeline for Geist that we can expect him to be ready uh, close to training camp if not before
0: correct yes July is what we're looking at now we don't have a specific date yet but we will
1: beautiful all right let's go ahead and talk about another running back here um, one that I put on the list not necessarily to, to talk a lot about his injury but feel free to speak on that um, and it's more about potentially looking at body mass index. And if you know if that affects a running back's ability to stay healthy and be on the field. Um, the guy we're talking about here is Philip Lindsay, who he's an undersized running back, had a great rookie season. Uh, I love this guy for the Denver Broncos. Awesome story. Yeah. Hometown kid. We we all know that by now, but uh, fun to watch. So he had a, a scaphoid fracture and a ligament repair Surgery in his wrist. Can you just give us a brief update on on what that means for him, and potentially whether or not his BMI plays into any future injury risk?
0: Yeah. So the interesting thing is, is that um, for this, this again, because it's really about. Who does this injury uh, in, impact the most, right? And a court, this would impact the throwing hand of a quarterback the worst, right? Um, it would impact a wide receiver the worst because they have to actually – they have to articulate with that wrist a lot to catch the football, et cetera. Sure. The running back, obviously, the, the least is like an offensive lineman, essentially, um, because you just wrap it up and they just go right back into the game, right? Play with that club on their hand. Yeah, right. Um, But for running back, they have to hold the football. Now, holding the football versus catching the football. Catching the football requires a lot more finesse with this particular body part. So carrying the football, um, they can always learn how to carry it on the other hand as well. Um, and so the good news is is that it's not like uh, this type of fracture to a quarter will be like a 10 month recovery 11 month recovery this is right now we're looking at a seven month recovery in july he should be back Um, the scaphoid is a bone that's in the wrist that's like got fractured and there's a ligament that attaches that bone to another bone in the wrist called the lunate, and likely the, scapho- the scaphoid lunate ligament is the one that's torn. It's the most common thing that's torn, and um, uh, they, you know, for professional athletes and, and you and me, they probably just leave it alone and let it heal sure. essentially in yeah. PT. But obviously, a professional athlete, they actually go in and they resuture suture it and they get it, you know, and they reinforce it, etc., and then they align the scaphoid again to prevent. Um, uh, necrosis, which is basically lack of blood supply to that bone. And then it sort of shrivels up. So um, the, um, uh, so 28 weeks is kind of what we're predicting for him in July. Now, BMI, we don't really, we we have this variation of what that, we call it the height weight index in our, our, um, you know, sort of algorithm. And uh, we, there are certain injuries that uh, sort of happen to, you know, height weight indexes in more Th- a taller thinner type running backs versus uh the opposite extreme which is like what philip Lindsay is which is the sort of thick short stature type of uh, running backs and sure uh and then in between etc and so you know uh this is what we would classify this as this is more of a freak type injury sorry for the uh professional term i used <laughs> <laughs> uh this is like a, an injury that you cannot predict so to speak because this is a very rare injury it's one of the rarest injuries um we normally don't see this at, at all in, in, in football but um and so You know, having him suffer this, I don't think the BMI really has anything to do with it. What we have seen is that these smaller stock, not smaller, but uh, shorter, stockier, heavier athletes tend to suffer more from, you know, blunt force trauma type injuries like concussions and fractures and, you know, these types of things, the more finesse quick to move around like a Sony Michelle or that kind of stuff that are not like stocky. They tend to have more ligament and tendon issues essentially. So that's kind of the BMI uh, question you had.
1: Awesome. Yeah, that's, that's super helpful. Um, I want to talk about one more running back and then we'll get into a wide receiver. Um, I put this guy on the list, not necessarily because he's coming off of an injury or anything like that. Um, he's actually not coming off of playing football at all in 2018. We're talking about Le'Veon Bell. Um, he also has a a pretty lengthy injury history. Um, So you can feel free to touch on that if you'd like to. Otherwise, I want to know personally, does taking time off or taking um, a whole season off in Le'Veon Bell's case because of the holdout, does that increase his risk for injury in subsequent seasons, Um, not only in 2019, but potentially beyond, due to the fact that maybe he's not returning in, you know, quote-unquote football shape or, or we're ready to go or what have you there. So maybe you can speak a little bit uh, about what's going on there with Bell?
0: Well, uh, Le'Veon Bell, uh, and you caught me by surprise here. I did not have Le'Veon Bell on my list. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I'm with you here. <laughs> but no. But to answer your question, um, I think you also wanted to know about uh, Devontae Freeman uh, as well, or sure, yeah, yeah. Um, and so. Um, you know both of these guys so to answer your high level question yes rest helps injuries no matter what you do no matter how it, it will help so if someone that's um, you know took a season off or you know etc all of that stuff um, you know they will definitely allow their bodies to heal the problem is is that there there needs to be a right balance so if you take three months off to heal an injury and then sort of get back into the game, you don't really lose a lot of game speed. When you take a year off, you get a lot of healing. And because you can't really simulate an in-game type of uh, experience uh, from a speed and and toughness standpoint, a lot of these guys tend to come back and they injure themselves relatively quickly. Um, And so you have to be really wary of the guys that are taking a year off uh, and like they have either big injuries uh, and they've just not played at all for a while, or they're you know they're basically do they have like a contract dispute with your team, you know? Yeah. Yep. And so uh, that's that's number one. But specifically uh, with Devonte Freeman, um, again, uh, the, he has a very long list of injuries. Um, and uh right now he's at twenty-four percent injury risk and he's at seventy-nine percent uh HPF. So he's very close to getting back into peak peak health. Obviously, couldn't help the team that much because you know, the we're in the Super Bowl time frame now. So, you know, it's uh getting back it had his the number of injuries that he's had, no chance for his HPF to get back to um peak health this season. And so he was put on IR obviously, uh and needed a lot longer. Um, the, the thing that I worry about the most with Devante Freeman is, is multiple concussions, you know, um, because there, it not only has a physical input, but it also has a psychological impact as well. Um, you know, guys will run less with that, know that they've had second, third and fourth concussions. Their concussions are easier to get and they try to avoid getting a concussion. Meaning, of course, everyone should avoid getting a concussion, but that also means protecting yourself and that may not mean, you know, that, you know going across the middle and reaching for a pass, he may drop that pass now, you know. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that and makes so sense. that that there's a big psychological component which obviously will affect his performance um, and uh, you know and that's what I really worry about him in terms of uh, you know the future for Devonte Freeman. Um, and so yeah, I, you know, I would even though he's at he'll be at, you know, peak health by the time next season starts. He's at currently 24% injury risk. He will probably be close to 20, 20, 22%. So he'll miss five games at a minimum in 2019.
1: So I've kind of posed this question later um, on our doc here, and maybe we'll get to it in more detail in a second. But is Devonta Freeman a guy that, you know, if I say, hey, Dr. A, I, I need to know one player that I should stay away from in 2019 fantasy football drafts, is Devonta Freeman on that list for you?
0: yeah if you're playing season long fantasy yes
1: <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> you know that's what we focus on a lot on on yeah. the red shirts pod we do talk dynasty and DFS as well um but yeah speaking of redraft, Freeman is a guy that I agree with you I'm very nervous about uh in yeah. 2019
0: and so the other guys I would put on that list is um and you know people are shocked when I say this, but Leonard fournette um, is uh, you know he, he will be very very our, our algorithm is essentially giving a red flag to Leonard Fournette Carson Wentz and Jordan Reed those are the gotcha. three guys that you got to stay away from their uh, injury risk category was above thirty um, so a third of the season will be missed with these guys at a minimum
1: gotcha can let's go off script here for a second because I want oh, to oh and J. On, Jai,
0: I'm sorry as well
1: <laughs> yeah J. Jai makes sense given his injury history yep. um let's actually go ahead and let's actually go back to those guys you talked about can we discuss uh for a minute leonard fournette i know that his injury history is well documented with that foot and ankle and i'm actually surprised that you said that people are surprised to hear you say that because he's a guy i've been touting for a while to stay away from because of that injury risk so maybe you can talk a little bit more about leonard fournette and then after that let's circle back to carson wentz
0: yeah, so the biggest thing about Leonard Fournette is the, the location of his injuries. They're all lower body injuries. And for a running back, that is a devastating type of collection of injuries because that's all they use, essentially. I mean, in terms of their speed, that's how they make all their money, you know, and cutbacks and, you know, avoiding tackles, et cetera. And so foot and ankle in college and in pro, hamstring injury, a pretty decent one. And he I don't know if you remember, but he... We we were yelling and screaming from the top of the hills. He should not be playing in this next game. He should not be coming back in two weeks. He needs five weeks to recover from this grade two hamstring and they didn't and then he re aggravated and then they shut him down for a lot longer. So yeah, that's that's um, the issue with those hamstrings you
1: know, is yeah. Yeah, there's so much pressure to get onto the field as soon as possible. And we and obviously you know this as well, you know, the the risk is so much more elevated the quicker you come back. Um and gosh, that just ruined his season this year.
0: Yeah. And so the biggest thing for that is is that these foot and ankle injuries are not going to shake him. You know, he's going to start to he's going to continue to play aggressive, etc. and you know, as the season goes on, um, you know, you will start to see him miss games because he will start to pick up other injuries and he could re-aggravate these hamstring injuries no matter what. Here's it that's another tidbit of our stuff is that Guys that have a lot, a long history of injuries, but we show them as sort of having some pe has recovered from those injuries, but they still have a high injury risk. You know, if they're, if they're playing, if they're playing in these, uh, um, you know, daily fantasy games, et cetera, you know, the first few games of the season, maybe they may be a good pick because, you know, they haven't uh, endured the rigors of the season yet. So it's just a little tidbit, you know. Yeah. May, that's even if, super you know, helpful. Uh, uh, a peak HPF. Even with a high injury risk, may be helpful to a daily fantasy player. Essentially, yeah, yeah so, no doubt that makes sense. Um, so uh, Carson, uh, yeah, so Carson Wentz. You know, the the issue with Carson Wentz is. Um, the uh, you know he's had the he's had the trifecta he's had the ACL LCL in 2017. Fine, you can definitely come back from that. But Carson Wentz is a mobile quarterback, right? As we know, yeah. And and when you have a torn ACL and LCL, that impacts it. That, that impacts a little bit. I don't know if you saw this year uh, before he had that back fracture um, that he was a little bit more tentative. Some um, you know, and then when at times when he was aggressive. You know, unfortunately, it uh, resulted in this uh, back fracture. And what I've heard is that it's not—it's a vertebra fracture. Um, it's not a, one of these minuscule transverse processes or oh, wow. anything I didn't like know that. that. Um, meaning, uh, it's not official, uh, you know. But I—but I, based on what we're seeing, the amount of time that he's going to miss, and all of that stuff, it is a almost—you know—it's either a vertebra fracture or more of a. Uh, a posterior element fracture, like a facet or a pedicle or something, something else. Because in order to be off for this long, I'm missing the final month. And then also, say, basically, what we were getting from the data that we aggregated is that there he may be, he may be, um, you know, ready for the beginning of the season. When they start using certain buzzwords, yeah, start see, you start to see, you know, right. And so, um, you know, for a quarter, for a mobile quarterback. To to have this this type these two types of injuries, it's just a recipe for another injury, uh, compensatory injury. Um, you know, when when you have a back fracture, uh, vertebral fracture, or some sort of spinal fracture, the likelihood of uh, you you picking up another one is higher. And so that's why Carson Wentz is on this list. We just feel that he's going to miss. He's going to be on the IR again um, at some point in the middle of the season. So um and uh yeah so that's our Carson Wentz analysis
1: gotcha uh as a fantasy player I really appreciate that advice as an Eagles fan <laughs> I'm very sad right now <laughs> for you yes exactly information. um but doc do you have a do you have time for one more guy I know you've got to get yeah. out of here soon okay let's go ahead and, and touch on the last guy let's talk about AJ Green who he's coming off of a toe injury and now off-season surgery to repair torn ligaments in his toe, So I know this is something that he's dealt with now two seasons um, in the last five years or so, not necessarily two surgeries, but two turf toe type of injuries. So what do you know about AJ Green and that foot and toe and how do we look towards him here in 2019 and beyond?
0: Yeah. Um, no pun intended, but turf toe is Achilles heel of a wide receiver. It is the worst thing for a wide receiver to get because it just, it just, you know, comes back over and over and over and over again. It's like, um, it's the highest recurrent injury in a wide receiver once they truly have it. Um, I don't know if everyone knows what exactly turf toe is, but it's there. We have sesamoid bones, which is, are these bones that provide support, but nothing else and ligaments and tendons attached to them as they, uh, traverse through the foot and the, the, the one for the great toe is right at the ball of the foot. And when, and that is the number one location that wide receivers run on to get that speed. And when that sesamoid bone becomes inflamed and creates all this inflammation on it, you can treat it like hell. But the problem is, is that it comes back and it comes back and it comes back. And if you try to remove a part of the sesamoid bone, all of a sudden – the wide receiver loses their stability uh, or their their highest level of stability. So it's a very, very difficult problem to treat, and it's also a very difficult problem to pain control. And so that's why A.J. Green, um, every year this comes up, and every year we keep telling everybody on Fantasy that he, he's going to miss a third of the season. For sure, he's at a 32 percent IRC right now. He'll probably go down to 28 percent before the season starts next year, and he'll probably recover from this injury just like he recovers from all these injuries. But again, this turf toe will recur, and he'll miss a significant portion of the season again.
1: Yeah, and uh, and just to speak to that, you know, I actually was working with a patient today um, with a turf toe type of injury, um, more of a, a runner rather than a explosive, you know, athlete, and a football player but still like you said his word for word description was this is the most painful injury i've ever had um and they're tough to treat man they're, they're definitely tough to treat so i can speak to that for sure uh working with these these types of people so uh, that was an awesome summary of a lot of big name players in fantasy and in football so dr a i really appreciate your time and i'm sure our listeners do as well just let us know one more time uh where we can find your work Uh, and where we can find all this awesome injury uh, analysis that you guys are doing.
0: Well, first of all, on social media, it's at Inside Injuries on Twitter. You can and we tweet all the time. I think we've had twenty four thousand tweets already, <laughs> and like you know, so we we tweet all the time about all these players, etc. Especially during the NFL season. So at at Inside Injuries uh, is our Twitter handle. And then if you just go to Inside in February we are going to launch the betting platform. So essentially, that's where a lot of the NBA stuff will be. Um, but then quickly right after the nba we'll be adding the nfl component in the offseason to that website so it's inside injuries.com and uh, you'll be able to see the launch of our betting platform for the nba in march and april uh and all the way to june and then the nfl will start on that new platform starting in uh june
1: awesome that is uh exciting stuff for you guys and i look forward to seeing more of your work come out like I said uh, I'm a big fan and I love to uh, follow along with you guys so keep up the great work Dr. A thank you again for your time uh, I really appreciate it and I, I look forward to talking with you again in the future
0: alright Matthew good to be with you have a good evening
1: alright Doc thanks you too well that was certainly some awesome stuff there from Dr. A hopefully that makes you a better fantasy football player I know I learned a lot tonight um, in the meantime go ahead and check out our account on Twitter at RedshirtsFFPod, Pod and then check out my co-host as well uh, at Fantasy Sensei for Matt Okada and at Kent Wyrock for Kent, um, we're going to be back with a lot more content this off as we get rolling here in the next few weeks. So stay tuned; there'll be more coming from us here in the near future. In the meantime, your are the Red Shirts. Right.